It's a joy to stand before you this afternoon. It's a joy to be discussing one of the themes that I believe is close to many of our hearts. It's a joy to have the privilege to speak to you. And thank you, Ephraim, for just speaking to us about the importance of declaring the Word of God. It actually ties in very closely with this next subject. You know, if we're going to declare the Word of God in prayer, we need to know the Word of God. All of these workshops this afternoon really are part of a whole tapestry. It should be woven together in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We can't know the Word without studying the Word. We can't proclaim and declare the Word unless I believe we've learned to pray the Word. So the subject for this afternoon that I've been assigned is praying the memorized Word. Joe and Aaron asked me if I would speak on this topic, and after some time I consented. Praying the Memorized Word. Hold fast to your faith. Stand fast in His Word. There is no other hope in the world. These words were penned by David Wilkerson on April 27, 2011, the morning before he went to meet his Maker. Hold fast to your faith. Stand fast in His Word. There is no other hope in the world. The passage I want us to start at looking, uh, we'll start by looking at this, more, this afternoon is Ephesians chapter 6. There's one place that I know of in the scripture that we're actually commanded, given an imperative to pray the word. And there's a lot of places we could look to find out how God wants to use his word through us in prayer. But the one place that specifically commands us to pray the word is in a passage about spiritual warfare. And so that's what I'm going to talk to you about this afternoon by the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 6 says, and we're all familiar with these verses, in verse 17, we know in the context here we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we're told to put on the whole armor, to shake the shield of faith, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always, there was no original paragraph division, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So the Spirit uses God's Word as a sword. And the way that sword becomes effective is as we take the Word of God and declare it back to God in prayer. How many of you know that God likes to answer prayers that are prayed according to His will? That's what we're told in Scripture. If we ask anything according to His will, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. We don't have to wonder if it's a prayer that God's going to answer. And it's the same way when we pray His Word. It's something God has already declared, and He wants us to declare it back in faith to Him. And that becomes the sword, a mighty powerful weapon of the Spirit. I want to talk to us about three aspects of the sword of the Spirit this afternoon, considering how to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The first of those is understanding the sword of the Spirit. Exodus chapter 15 verse 3 says, The Lord, or Yahweh, Jehovah, is a man of war. Did you know that that's what the scripture says? The Lord is a man of war. Turn with me your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 19. John the Revelator is on the Isle of Patmos. I want to pick up reading in chapter 19, in verse 11. John says in verse 11, 
I saw, and this is by the Spirit, a prophetic revelation, I saw heaven opened. What did he see? Did he say saints singing praises to the Lord? Let's keep reading. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called, capital F, faithful, and capital T, true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. Here's what he looks like. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture, or a garment, dipped in blood. Did you catch that? A vesture, not just stained with a few drops of blood. The Greek word is bapto, which is where we get the word baptized or baptismo. It means to be immersed in. This man, the Lord Jesus Christ, is clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Not sprinkled with oil or perfume, dipped in blood. And his name is called, capital capital W, the Word of God. We read about him in John chapter 1 this morning. In the beginning was the Word. Now, the saints singing psalms of praises? No, that does happen in heaven. Look at verse 14. The armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. They're following the captain, the Lord of hosts, the King of glory. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. We no longer see a revelation or a picture of a precious little baby in a manger with shepherds on the hillside and angels saying, Peace on earth, goodwill to men. We no longer see a picture of Jesus in this chapter of a man riding meek and lowly upon the colt of a donkey into Jerusalem while the children are singing Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. No, we see a man upon a white horse going forth and he has a sword, a sharp two-edged sword and the armies of heaven are following him to the battle. And that's where God is calling us today. Jesus said, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth, I am not come to send peace, but a sword. Brother Ephraim quoted this verse already, but I want to quote it again. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We're in a warfare. Whether you know it or not, if you're a Christian, you've enlisted. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And our primary offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And one of the primary ways we use the Word of God is in prayer. God would have us to understand how to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're told in Corinthians that the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. When you combine the letter and the Spirit, you have a sharp two-edged sword. Ephesians talks about that sword, and then Hebrews goes on to tell us further that that sword is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Why does it have two edges? Paul said, to some we are a savor of death unto death, of another unto life unto life. Death and life are in the power of that sword. The Spirit came to convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Through judgment, the Spirit, by the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, brings conviction of righteousness on one side and of sin on the other through judgment. So how do we take up the sword of the Spirit? Point number two. Our perfect example, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, 
Three times he responded, not with his own imagination, not with his own thoughts. What did he say? It is written three times. It is written again. It is written again. All three of those temptations that he faced, he responded and resist the devil by the power of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we are told in taking up the sword of the spirit, another passage in Matthew chapter 18, you may have never thought about this passage in relation to spiritual warfare, but the context would lend to that. And I believe actually, if we understand the verses that come after, we can see how this would actually proceed it. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 18, Whatsoever you bind on earth should be bound in heaven. And there are three heavens that the scripture talks about, by the way. There's the physical heaven that talks about in uh, Genesis chapter 1. The Lord made the heavens and the earth. Okay? There's the second heaven where there's principalities and powers in high places. There's the third heaven where Paul says, I was caught up into the third heaven and heard unspeakable things. Whatsoever you bind on earth should be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he said, again, I say unto you, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask of my father, it should be given unto you. And I believe what Jesus is teaching us here is if we agree on earth with what God has already declared in heaven, we can bind and loose in the heavenlies. I believe we can loose angel warriors of light in the heavenlies. I believe we can bind principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places as we agree together through the power of the Holy Ghost, praying back to God the things that He has given us as His will is for us to pray. Psalms 149 says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a sharp two-edged sword in their hand. Why? To execute vengeance and punishments, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. We are called to follow Jesus Christ as he rides forth in the armies or with the armies of heaven upon his white horse. Judgment in the spiritual realm. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 3 says, Know ye not that ye shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? I believe God wants us to judge in the heavenlies. When we see a situation happening, is this the hand of God or is it the activity of the enemy? And if it's the activity of the enemy, we have the authority as believers, to bind it in the name of Jesus. In James chapter 5, we read about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. Let's turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, we read of Elias that he was a man subject to like passions as we are, And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Sometimes there's a persistence that's necessary in prayer. And I'm here to say this afternoon, that if we're going to go to unreached people groups, if we're going to go to places where people have for thousands of years been bound in chains of darkness, where there's never been the word declared for them, let there be light as it was declared for us. We need to be empowered with the sword of the Spirit, and we need to be persistent. We need to not only know how to handle the sword, we need to know, as we're going to look at later on here, how to not become weary in the battle. Elias prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So we read in this context about an effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. In the same chapter, we read that it's the prayer of faith 
that will save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And I'd like to ask us a question. Where does the prayer of faith that's effectual, fervent, and righteous originate from? What does God's word have to tell us about that? Brother Dale, where does faith come from? From our Father. What does Romans 10.17 tell us? Who can tell me? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The prayer of faith, effectual, fervent, righteous, availing much. If we lack faith in a certain situation on how we should pray, we need to ask according to his will. How do we find his will? We find his will in his written word. And we can declare that word in confidence in the place of prayer, using that as the sword of the spirit. I'd like to look now at two biblical examples in the Old Testament where brothers who uh, prophets, men of God, knew the heart of God and they prayed back the word of God and through that declaration of the will of God, incredible things happened. As Brother David Osbaugh told us this morning, that prayer is powerful and effective. That word will bring an effect. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. I'm going to begin reading in verse 2. This is a familiar passage. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, Daniel says in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books. Did you catch that? Daniel understood by books, not just by reading the prophecy of Jeremiah. I believe he was scanning the Torah. He was trying to understand how long must my people be in captivity. And he understood by reading the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. That was one of the books that Daniel was reading in. That he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So for every year that they had disobeyed God and provoked him, there was to be punishment a certain amount of time. And Daniel understood through reading in Jeremiah that that time should be 70 years. So what did he do? There was a problem. He discerned the will of God. Look at verse 3. I set my face unto the Lord God, and this is what we are to do, to seek by prayer and supplication with fastings and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord God, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned. And you can finish down reading through the rest of that chapter and hear this wonderful prayer that Daniel prayed for his people. And we know that the captivity of the children of Israel was changed. But what I want to specifically zero in on, other than the fact that Daniel understood by books, is found in verse 17 and 18. Psalms 80 says three times, verses 3, 7, and 19, Turn us again, O God of hosts. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Turn us again, O our God, the Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. Daniel knew that scripture. What does he pray? That psalm, by the way, is a psalm that prophetically spoke of the desolations of Israel when they would forsake the Lord, how God would forsake them. Psalm chapter 80. We're not going to take time to read it. Verse 17. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Where did Daniel get that? I believe by revelation of the Spirit, but I don't think it's too much to say that Daniel also had available for him the writings of the psalmist of Israel and that he understood through Psalm chapter 80 that that was the way by which the desolations of Israel could be changed. As the psalmist was prophetically inspired to write, Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, cause thy face to shine. O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolations 
and the city which is called by thy name. And then he continues his prayer. So the other character I'd like to look at briefly is Moses in the Old Testament. In the book of Exodus, I think we have time to turn there briefly. Exodus chapter 34. Moses has just beseeched the Lord in the previous chapters that his presence would go with them. The Lord had called Moses to an incredible God-sized task, and God is threatening to back out on him in chapter 33. He's saying, Moses, I've seen these people. They're stiff-necked people. I don't think I'm going to accompany you. I'm going to send an angel with you to search out the land and the way before you. And Moses beseeches the Lord in chapter 33, verse 14. And before that, Moses has beseeched the Lord and said, If your presence will not go with us, carry us not up hence. And verse 14, the Lord says, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And Moses doesn't stop there. He's a man after God's own heart. He presses in, and in verse 18, he says, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. In chapter 34, we see the answer to that request. Moses saw the glory of God as he passed by. God hid him in the shadow in a cleft of the rock. That's where that song that we have, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, actually comes from. O rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. God hid Moses in a cleft of the rock. Verse 6, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, we know the scripture. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and in truth. Numbers chapter 14. Moses is faced again with an incredible challenge. I want to begin reading in verse 15, Numbers chapter 14. Moses is beseeching the Lord. He's interceding for the people. And watch what he's going to go back to in making that intercession. Verse 15. Now, if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he swore unto them, therefore he has slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, According as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and so on. Moses didn't just beseech the God of heaven according to what he wanted to see happen. He put God's words right back up in the presence of God before the throne of God, and that's a prayer coming to God that he will not resist. Moses understood how to take the word of God and to pray it back even as it were the sword of the Spirit, accomplishing that which God had sent the word forth to accomplish. So we see two examples, actually three if we count the life of Jesus, of a way to take up the sword of the Spirit. The last uh, section I'd like to look at is engaging in warfare with the sword of the Spirit. We can understand the sword, we can take up the sword, but unless we do something with that sword, it hasn't profited us. How do we engage in warfare with the sword of the Spirit? Second Samuel 23, verse 10. Speaking of one of the 30 of David's most mighty men. By the way, these mighty men, the Word of God says, had been given to follow David and to confirm the kingdom under his hand. I believe that that is a calling for all of us. Confirming the kingdom under the hand of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Samuel 23 verse 10 says of one of these mighty men, this is where it comes to continuing, persevering, not becoming weary. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and clave unto his sword and the Lord wrought a great victory. I believe that is a picture of how God would have us to engage in the warfare. 
to not become weary in well-doing, to not become faint in the battle, even if your hand must needs be cleave to the sword, what else should there be that we would want to hold on to in this warfare that is raging? And the Lord will wrought for us also a great victory. The Lord wrought a great victory. It is also possible to be as the children of Ephraim, who the scripture says in Psalm 78, verse 9, the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turn back in the day of battle. Verse 41 says, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Did you know that the work of God can be limited by man? The work of God can also and will also go forward through man, but it can be limited if we do not allow the Lord to strengthen us in the day of adversity and make us to be followers of them who through faith and patience persevere and inherit the promises, that land which yet remaineth to be possessed, that the Lord would have us to by faith rise up in the name of Jesus and to conquer. In the warfare that is raging for the truth and for the right, the songwriter says, still inspiring us today, Brother Merle, When the conflict fierce is raging with the powers of the night, God needs people. God needs people brave and true. May he then depend on you. I know it's warm in here and some of us are getting tired. But I believe the heart of Christ for us through this message is that we would not only hear about the Word of God this weekend, that we would not only read the Word of God with more love after this weekend, but that we would take the Word of God and use it on our knees in the place of prayer. That is the purpose for this message. Are you willing to say with David, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Unless you hide God's word in your heart, it'll be difficult to use it when the devil comes to you with a temptation and you will not be able to respond as Jesus did, saying, it is written. It is written again. Are you willing with Moses and Daniel to take the word of God and use it in prayer for the deliverance of God's people and intercession for his kingdom to come? Not only studying the Word, but taking the Word of God. Brethren, let us memorize the Word and hide it in our hearts, that we may take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always. In Joel, we read in chapter 2, In the last days, the Lord said, He would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams. Or your young men will dream dreams, your old men will have visions. I think it's the other way around. Your your young men will have um, visions and your old men will dream dreams before that great notable day of the Lord. But in chapter 3, by the way, this is after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has been prophesied. Joel says this in verse 9. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plow, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. 
Let's stand for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of holding in our own language the written revelation of your Son. And Father, from Genesis to Revelation, we know that your Son has been revealed, capital W, through the Word. And Father, we thank you today that you have given unto us the knowledge of your Son, the knowledge of your will, that the whole earth should be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And Father, we confess here today, we declare that there remains yet very much land to be possessed. And Father, those places of darkness where the name of Jesus Christ has never been heard. Father, where there are people who need to be taken from the kingdom of Satan and from darkness into the kingdom of light and of your dear Son. Father, I pray that there would be people from this congregation who would be willing to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Father, that in the warfare that is raging for the truth and for the right, in the conflict fierce that is raging with the powers of the night, Father, that you would find us faithful, that we could say, Here am I, Father. May the Lord depend on me. And Father, I pray that we would answer with the prophet Isaiah, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. Empower me. Pray through me. Father, teach us to pray back to you the things that you have already spoken. In the name of Jesus, amen. You can be seated.